from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Podcast episode 213. What if we went to Baltimore Comic Con? I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm John. And welcome back, everyone. Yes, uh, this episode is all about Baltimore Comic Con. We're going to spill everything that happened for the most part. Uh, this will probably be the first one of a couple episodes that we'll do like this. Uh, in a future one, we'll have some other guests on to talk about their experience at Baltimore. Uh, we're going to talk about ours. And to join us, in talking about our experience, we have a couple longtime listeners, longtime co-hosts uh, joining us, uh, guest hosts, uh, Mr. Eric Grubb, who you guys know from a lot of our Star Wars episodes. Eric, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me again. <laughs> as, as I wave at the computer, not that anybody can see it. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Hey. And, uh, and then also joining us, uh, last but not least, uh, Travis, uh, Uncle Teabag. Thank you for uh, coming back on the show. No problem. I'm waving at Grub, waving at his uh, computer monitor. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, very nice. So we're <laughs> we're going to uh, we're going to talk about Baltimore Con. Uh, this episode is called "What If" uh, because I have a surprise for <laughs> for my fellow hosts tonight uh, that they I did not prep them for at all. Uh, so "What If" is definitely known in the comic industry. It was something that Marvel did uh, for quite a while, uh, and actually they're coming out with new issues of "What If," and it's basically like "What If this was to happen to this?" character, or what if this character became this? So you'd have, like, what if uh, I think one of the most recent ones coming out is, like, what if Spider-Man became the Punisher? Uh, or what if Thor was raised by the Frost Giants? Well, there's also a what if app out there. This is not an endorsement, but my wife and I found this app on a road trip, and it asks questions like, what if you had this? And it'll be something typically very positive. But you also had this, and it's typically something negative. Would you accept that or not? 
And there's statistics based on people answering those questions on how many said yes, they would accept it, and how many said no. So I thought it would be a fun way to end this episode uh, by playing a little bit of this game, uh, because it can be quite humorous. It can also be, I don't know, it might cause some interesting uh, talk going on, too. So I will save that for the end. Uh, Again, I think it could be kind of fun. It was something that I was going to have us all play in Baltimore Con, uh, but it just wasn't in the cards uh, this time. So... uh, so Baltimore Con, uh, we it happened just what a couple weeks ago, week and a half ago. Time seems yep. to have flown by. <laughs> Friday will be two uh, weeks. Yeah, two weeks. Week and, yeah, so we're about a week and a half. Yeah. So um, this episode should actually come out uh, before the two weeks is up, actually, because I'm planning on working on it the next couple over the next couple nights just to get it out there for you guys. Um, so. John, I think you got into town first. Or, well, Grub, technically you got into town first. You <laughs> live there. I live all of 10 miles away, so yeah. <laughs> Right. But, but as far as didn't those... know that Hooters had moved. <laughs> There's a reason. I never go into the city except for usually a baseball game. Details. And the, details. And the, and the aquarium. That's about it. So, uh, so for those of us traveling, John, you, I believe you were the first one that got into town because you got in a little bit bit earlier than we did on Friday. So uh, I will let you go ahead and open with the experience you had getting into town, because I think your experience ended up being the same as ours, uh, as far as the snafu that happened that is typical, I guess, typical Baltimore at this point. Yeah, as Shannon put it, the thing is cursed. It's just the weirdest, (laughs) the weirdest, man. I don't know. Every year something happens. Now, this year... I drove in, uh, met up with Andre and Brian Lang, who got in before I did, and, and Grubb was kind enough to get him at the airport and get him to the uh, convention center. Got uh, got to the, Andre got there, couldn't check into the hotel, so we did the convention like you do and went to dinner like you do. Got back to our hotel. Oh, sorry, guys, we're overbooked. So they put us in a taxi and they sent us to the upscale Holiday Inn property, which was very, very nice. And quite honestly, if they'd not had room for us the second night, I would have gone back there in a heartbeat because it was a really, really nice place. But, yeah, for some really strange reason, the hotels all overbooked, didn't know their asses from a hole in the ground. It was a mess. And you guys got it too it was just yeah. a, a weird a weird weird weekend in that yeah. regard so to, to tell our side as far as what happened for us uh coming in just to get up to that point um we were driving in uh rock got there before we did and he called to see where we were how much longer we were going to be and uh i told him i think at the time travis correct me if i'm wrong i think we were like maybe an hour from getting in maybe less than yeah, an it, hour if that, like it yeah. wasn't an hour, it was hour 45 minutes. We were, we were close. Yeah. And, uh, so he calls and we talked for a little bit, nothing unusual. Just, he just says, oh, I'm just going to sit here and wait for you guys and everything else. And then maybe like 15 minutes later, he calls me up again and he says, I decided I was going to try to see if they'd let me in the room. And they're telling me that you canceled, that they don't have a room for us. And I was like, oh, hell no, because I booked this thing back in June, and 
I've been watching my email every day since June for updates from Baltimore Con, uh, you know, just updates in general. And I said, I never got any notification about anything, and I sure as hell didn't cancel it. And he goes, well, let me put the girl on the line here with you. Well, she, at just when he's about to hand the phone to her, she must have stepped away. And so he comes back and says, well, wait, she's actually talking to her supervisor right now. So he come, uh, eventually she does come to the phone, and she says, Mr. Dross, you know, thank, you know, sorry about the wait. Uh, and, I said, and I told her, I was like, I did not you know, cancel. And she goes, no, you're absolutely right. We actually overbooked. I apologize for this. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to put you in the Marriott and uh, we're going to take care of that for you. And then we would ask for you to come back and uh, stay with us and we'll take care of your parking and stuff like that. So I was fine with that because I, you know, to me, that's just one less night I got to pay <laughs> for a room. All of us. To live. <laughs> Not right. Pay. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> So, uh, so we went there and to your point, John, as far as the Holiday Inn, it was, the Marriott was very nice and it's actually because of where they've moved the convention to the other side of the convention hall, it's actually a bit closer of a walk to get from the Marriott to the convention hall. So I'm actually thinking potentially next year, uh, seeing what the Marriott costs to just see is the price similar, is it even less? And we might just stay there instead. So... So it, it was uh, it was crazy, uh, and then the next day we had to move our stuff back over to the the Hyatt, uh, which we got done uh, relatively quickly. So, uh, and they were very receptive to that because they had screwed up. But um, so that was our experience coming in. Uh, Rock met yep. us in a taxi over at the Marriott, so in which they paid for the taxi ride too for him. So. The funny thing about that, though, is anybody that knows Rock, we really thought Rock was playing a joke on us at first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it was, he's like, hey, guys, we don't have a room. So we're like, uh-huh, <laughs> right. sure, Rock. So we, we don't have a room. He's like, no, really, we, we really don't have a room. Uh-huh, Rock, sure, okay. And then <laughs> not until he did get the uh, the clerk on the line did it really sink in of, oh, we really don't have a room. Yeah, it's like um, I'm not sleeping in my car, and as generous grub as as you are, we certainly don't want to invade your home that much. So, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so uh, needless to say, we got everything taken care of. Uh, we got to the convention. We probably got in Travis. What maybe like two, three o'clock ish, somewhere in between there. I think it was before that. I think we got into Baltimore right around one and onto the floor around two because we got in earlier than, yeah, earlier than any years in the past. And I feel like we got pretty much a full day Friday. Yeah. So I'm thinking it was after two. uh, Yeah. I blame Chuck and and Nick because uh, the years we've gone with them, we don't get there until like three o'clock. Yes. (laughs) I was prepared this year. Set the alarm. Yes. Had your hair Red, done. Had my hair done. I was ready. <laughs> um, and uh, we brought for uh, we brought a newbie with us this time, uh, which was a friend, uh, Michael, who I work with. And uh, he he's into all this type of stuff. And he uh, he's been listening to the show probably the last couple of years or year or so. Um, and he's been you know going back and listening to older episodes and everything. And uh, he's like, well, would you mind if I came? I was like, no, more the merrier. We you know, always want more 
people to come. And uh, so he he came along, and this was I, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but I think Travis, you you definitely I think knew this from us driving together. But this was his first like big convention. He had been to some smaller ones and everything, both, but this he had never been to one this size before. Yes. So, yeah. So John, I will tell you, he was very appreciative of the uh, convention episode that we did. Uh, he said he he listened to that very he listened to that about three times to make sure he was prepared. And he said it actually did help him to be prepared. So, excellent. It's good to hear. Yeah. Um, and uh, just like anyone else that's new to conventions, I know I experienced it my first time. I'm sure you guys experienced it too. You know, he walked in and it was he he did just fine, but the first steps were, it was like a lot to take in at one time. <laughs> Very overwhelming, but. Um, but it seemed like he fit in with the group pretty well. He he went off on his own uh, quite a few times. Found some really good artists. Like it amazed me the good artists that he found because being so new to this type of convention, for him to find like some really good talent at reasonable prices, I was very impressed. Uh, he found an artist that I was actually able to utilize for some sketches and everything. So uh, very cool. Um, so what was your guys' experiences uh, as far as, like, what did you do? What was your goal while you were there? What, you know, what was it like for you? Uh, uh, Travis, I think maybe you should start because I think you were the most, you started off the roughest and maybe <laughs> ended, ended pretty, I think you ended fine, but that first yeah. day was a little rough for you. <laughs> Everything just kind of went topsy-turvy Friday night for some reason. Um, John and I were the Bronchitis brothers earlier in the week. So <laughs> we'll, we'll be going for the uh, WWE Tag Team Championship here soon. Uh, but, uh, so yeah, it was, I think Sunday or Monday I went to urgent care. I had got bronchitis, so I was all steroided and Z-packed up and every other type of, you know, decongestant Tylenol that they can get in me because I didn't. It's weird going into a con with con crud and trying not to retain con crud. So yeah. um, I had originally gone in with hopes <clears throat> of making a, a profit. I uh, was going to get my copies of Batman the Dam signed. Uh, everything that Ryan told me not to do in the convention episode, I did. <laughs> I made a taped bag and board. I was going to CGC it um, in hopes of getting it signed, CGC'd at a high grade, to then flip them for some bigger things that I want, because I'm down to about nine issues of Amazing Spider-Man, and if I can sell these Batman books that I don't need or really want to get something that would help me out, that was my goal. Well, apparently that was everybody's goal. So, um, well, and I will say to, to cut you off r real briefly, <laughs> at least what you were doing was to help improve something, your collection for something you love. The one, the guys that drive me crazy that do that are just, they're there for business and it's just for profit and that's all it is. You're looking to make a profit to then venture into something else that you love. Um, oh yeah, that's that's all it was for. Because I had cover price in both of them, and I, yeah. with as crazy as that issue has been, if I could have got Azarello to CGC and then get a decent grade and, and flip them both, it would have been more than a hundred percent profit. 
and it would have, you know, knocked out. I could have got probably another book without, you know, had putting much, if any, to it. Um, it it's still a dick move, but it's oh, I yeah. understand it. <laughs> but and I, and and the pun is intended there. By the oh way. yeah, it's a bat dick move. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. I went to do that, and I guess CGC is finally blown up. I don't do CGC very often, but in years previous, like I've always just been able to walk up, get the one or two books that I want graded, and, and move on. They had a Kevin Eastman line, um, like a full line around the booth and all the way back to the wall. Yeah. And then... I've never seen it like that in past years. I, I haven't either, so I guess the speculator boom is getting bigger or people are just wanting graded books. So that was a little frustrating. And then when I got to the front of the line, Azarilla was supposed to be signing from one to four, and I get over there, and the CGC guy follows me and says, well, he's not here, let's go. And then I get to the Azarillo, like I see to, like, he's charging $50 to sign each of the... The damned uh, books. The damned books on top of a fifteen dollar um, <clears throat> CGC witness signature, and he's not even there during the time that he said he was going to be there. So that just ended up after standing in line for an hour and a half to find out that he wasn't there. On top of him making, you know, and, and kudos to him. I don't. I can't say I don't completely disagree, but it was a fad book, and you know. He's, I see. I see both sides of it when it comes to that. Like, I get it that people are making money off of him and it's and everything. So, I get that that he's like, well, then I want a piece of it. But then at the same time, it's such a new book, dude. You were just paid for this this one, right? <laughs> the book was barely a week and a half old. So, yeah. you know, six of one, half a dozen of another. So at that point, I just said, screw it on Azarillo. I went over to Clayton Crane to. Maybe get a sketch on the the new Spider Geddon that had the first appearance of the PS4. And when I got there, <clears throat> he already had a stack. And this is why I think we were there at like two or two thirty because the con wasn't even open for three hours, and he had a stack of two hundred um, remarks that he was going to do at one hundred and fifty dollars a piece. And he said, Damn. "Sorry, I'm done." And I just went, "This is crazy." Damn. And so somewhere in that craziness and frustration i left my wallet back in the hotel room lost my chuck badge so i wasn't chuck anymore but i didn't know my wallet was back in the the room i thought i had lost my wallet and lost my badge and just went into full freakout mode because my wallet this, was gone and this is all on friday so there's still two days ahead <laughs> yeah so i'm going you know what i just thought of this is the second time i've forgot and or lost a ticket my first time i lost my ticket your wife had to scan yeah. it and send it to me so yeah i went into full freakout mode and was just like how is all this happening so i blame my medication and my hero is shannon he uh he was talking to andre and said well how because i went over and i was talking to them that afternoon and said well how am i going to get back in because I don't have, like, my badge is gone, my wallet's gone, this, that, and the other. And 
they said, well, let's think about it. And I went to go try to find it and talk to the con people and say, hey, this is what happened. I've lost my wallet. I've lost my badge. They weren't very helpful. But while I was gone, Shannon went and dug through the trash and found a wristband for me. So, Well, it wasn't that extreme. It was Andre had one. He cut it off because he had, he had a different badge. Shannon had it in his pocket. So oh, he, Shannon told me he dug it. through the trash. So He I lied was, to you. Um, <laughs> but he's still my hero for digging through the trash. Yeah, so I, sure. everything ended up being fine. But there for a little bit on Friday, it, yeah. it was uh, – it was a rough start. It was touch and go. Yeah. So, John, how was we'll, – we'll do day by day roughly, but, John, how was your Friday? Uh, like, what was what was your thoughts on Friday? What were you looking at that day, and, and how did the day play out for you, outside of, obviously, what we started off with? I got a, I got a commission from Dean Cott, so I was good to go. That was all <laughs> I had planned. It was, uh, you know, I'm getting old, and – I'm getting tired, and yeah, I was getting over the the uh, black lung or bronchitis or whatever I supposedly yeah. had. So I was not 100% or even close, and just enjoyed being peaceful, sitting with Shannon, talking to him, talking to Andre, talking to Shearer. Didn't have any really great plans. You know, walked the floor, got to see a lot of people uh, before the show started, which is always a great thing to be able to do. Yeah. And uh, just kind of hung out, and then... Everybody started getting in and seeing them. Hanging out was great, but uh, really, really easy day from the standpoint that I had nothing planned other than getting together with Dean, and I did that, and he delivered as always. Yeah, describe what Just, you got because not everyone's on Facebook to have seen sure what you've gotten. So because it was I, amazing. So. Yeah, I I decided this year I was going to go with the watercolor because. I've been following him for quite a while on Twitter and just love what I've been seeing of the colored pieces that he's been putting out. And so took uh, took the book and took reference and we started talking and I said, what about Televipers? He said, OK, yeah, I, I like I like the design. And we talked a little bit about the uh, the the mics, you know, their gun mic things. And yeah. he uh he said, okay, it'll be a few hours and took a little bit longer, but again, didn't care. I told him, I said, you can have the book all day long. I, you're, right. you're it, man. You're it. Right. And he just destroyed it. He absolutely destroyed it. He, he has a thing about killing people and sketches and commissions. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, I, he does. you know, all my, I think all my pieces have bodies laying around and <laughs> this was a just phenomenal piece with several televipers, you know, kind of marching into an area, marching into a, uh, communication center where there are dead Joes on the ground and there's a screen that has stalker and snake eyes and scarlet on it. Like just the, you know, like a camera in the woods kind of thing, a picture yeah. of them. And one of the, one of the, tele, the, the main televipers got danger going across his goggles. Yeah. The piece is just, a, it's amazing. It's, it's unbelievable. It, it, it's yeah. unbelievable. And, yeah. you know, again, I, it's funny. We talk about how we get to know people. I hate bothering Dean because I just I give him my money, I give him my book, and say go for it because I know he's going to deliver. Right. Then I feel badly that I don't talk to him more. <laughs> but but I know I'm a I know I'm a good customer and I bring other people to him. But no, he he just he did he did he killed it yeah. as always. And so yeah, I mean that made my day. Super, yeah. Like I said, super easy and good to go. Yeah. 
and I will talk about a, a Dean piece that I got uh, a little bit later because uh, I got one from him as well that he definitely killed it as well. Uh, Grub, how about you? How was your Friday? Like anything in particular that stands out from Friday? Um, I mean, not really, because for me it's it's such a simple like I don't have to worry about a hotel room or anything. But um, I actually was there probably eight o'clock in the morning because I got I got a pass via Bun Leong. Um, because I had a, a bunch of interactions with him in the last couple of months at some different cons, so I helped him load in, mm-hmm. left, drove over to the airport, picked up Brian, drove back, uh, and we walked over, but I had the pass, so I guess that's when he hooked up with, uh, uh, I know he ran into Shannon, and I think uh, Andre were walking away from the convention center, we were walking up, so... Brian shot off, and then I had the only things I had planned for the weekend initially were Dean Cotts and uh, Sean Forney, who's done a bunch of Star Wars stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Um, outside of that, Friday was just kind of then just when everybody got in, meeting up with everybody, um, trying to get my bearings on where things were, and and figuring out, um, you know, any other artists that I might be interested in, and. Uh, I, you guys were talking about the CGC thing, and I don't know what's going on with CGC, but I noticed, I believe it was Keystone Con, Keystone, which was a couple, maybe about a month ago um, in Philly, at the Philly Convention Center, I made a last-minute decision to go to, mm-hmm. and the C, I remember walking by the CGC booth at that place, and it was like a zoo. Yeah, and I'm like, what the hell's going on with CGC? Like, and then I noticed that at Baltimore all weekend, like Friday or Friday was bad. Saturday the CGC was, was ridiculous. Holy cow! Yeah, um, and and that was one of the two trends that we really noticed this convention from previous ones. Uh, the one was the CGC booth being ridiculously busy. Like, it's always had like steady people there, but this was like line serious like line for of people. Um, the other thing that we noticed trend-wise was a lot more creators charging for their signature. Yeah, and I don't really have a problem with that so much with the creators charging for signatures. Yeah. Then you have Neil Adams, and yeah. he's fifty damn dollars. <laughs> yeah. It's like I, you it know, depends five, on the amount. Yeah. Yeah, five dollars, ten dollars, fifteen, maybe even up to twenty. I mean, that's pushing it in my opinion, just to sign a book. Yeah. Um, I have one of those to talk about too. <laughs> but Neil Adams at fifty dollars, it's like, like I'm sorry, like yeah, okay, you've done some majorly important things for the comic world, but you also have inflated your own importance to ridiculous levels. Yeah, uh, well, but let's face it, fifty if, bucks. If he couldn't get fifty bucks, he wouldn't get he wouldn't charge it. Right. I'm, oh, I, I thing, know. The thing that drove me absolutely nuts was sitting with Shannon was he was on the opposite page of Neil Adams in the yearbook. Yeah. And so people would come up and, and that's one of the interesting things talking to several artists this weekend, you know, people come by, they get the autograph for the yearbook and what have you. I'll bet half of the yearbooks that came up had a Neil Adams signature in it, which meant half the people that got a yearbook with, with whatever means either bought it or got it as part of their VIP deal paid $50 for that autograph. For a book that they worthless. put Neil in the, they I didn't know they put Neil in the yearbook. Neil and Shannon put? were Neil was page eight, Shannon was page nine. So Shannon wow. kept saying, "I can't believe they put me next to." He was kind of making light of the fact he's like, "Well, it's yeah. just embarrassing they put me next to Neil Adams." But that means that that many people paid fifty dollars for an autograph in a book that is absolutely worthless. 
Yeah, the book is worthless. In other, it's not like you he have him sign a Batman book or a Green Lantern or something that he has got value. It's a Strangers in Paradise yearbook that, let's face it, it it it's a very very niche thing, yeah, and niche characters that the real world doesn't give a real big hoot about. No. I just, I find it fascinating that that many people spent the money that way. Again, if you're going to spend 50 to get a book that's worth something valuable that much more, that's your business, that's your money. Yeah. I just, I could not believe the number of books that had the autograph and thought, wow, that's just $50. You just literally pissed away. Well, and that's the thing. Like I got my, uh, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Hard Traveling Heroes signed like what, six years ago or something like that, and it was he was charging five bucks then. Um, so <laughs> I would not pay fifty. But if I was to pay, like, to your point, John, if I was to pay fifty, it would be for something like that, where it was his work on something that is uh, very well noted that he's very well noted for. You know, you get something in Batman or something like this, where you know something like Hard Traveling Heroes, where it's like these are hallmark moments in his career that you would want to get signed that's like and i have nothing against strangers in paradise and i've got nothing against the artists that were in the yearbook and the the job that they did but yeah it's to your point it's a very niche book and to pay fifty dollars to have him sign that versus if you're going to spend the fifty dollars get him to sign something else um the thing i felt really bad about was and it's not it's something i would do if i was a creator um he if there was a guy that came up with this kid, and I realized people could scam you and everything else, but you, you live with that. But there was a guy that came up with this kid. His kid had a book uh, that he wanted signed, and it had a few different artists in it and stuff. And I don't think it was the yearbook. It was just, you know, had some stuff in it. And the handler for Neil Adams said, well, it's $50 for that. And you could tell it was the kid's book. And the dad turns to his kid and is just like, uh, buddy, we're going to have to get some, some other people to sign because it's $50. It's going to be too much for us today. And if I was Neil Adams, I'd be like, send the kid over with the book, you know, and, and I would just sign it for the kid, you know, like, and I realized, like you said, people could scam you and have their kids do it when it's really for you and you're going to flip it and stuff. But that's the risk you take to be like a decent human being about that type of stuff. Um, now, granted, Neil probably had no idea that that was going on, so I'm not blaming him. But at the same time, it's like, you know, sign the book for the kid, <laughs> you know, like it just, I don't know. Um the autograph thing that I had an issue with was, and I understand why he did it, I, I, I get it, but what I got didn't wasn't the same as the value that I was paying for, was I took my uh, Marvel hardcover uh, artist edition over to Michael Golden to have him sign it. And his wife or whoever she is, handler or whatever, she's like, oh, he charges $30 for any IDW books. And I'm sure it's because he probably wasn't paid any royalties for his work uh, with IDW. Anything of his that was reprinted by IDW probably got, didn't get paid anything. At the same time, that you know, you have to work your contract so that you do get stuff like that. But um, I paid the thirty dollars because I he's one of a few names that I still need, still want to get in this book. And he was very nice. He wasn't a jerk or anything like that, but he signed it and you can't even tell that it's his signature. You can't even, t- it looks like a, he signed it up near art Adams signature, which art Adams didn't even charge anything for. Um, other than you could put donate to heroes initiative. Um, and Michael Golden just kind of scribbled his name up 
there, it looks like it's just a scribble that Art Adams drew or something like that. It doesn't even look like a signature. It doesn't look like you can't tell it's Michael Golden. I was like very disappointed that I paid thirty dollars to get that. Um, so, but I'm the sucker that paid it. So <laughs> when it, when it comes also real quick to Adams, I'm sure that there were plenty of people who got his autograph and paid for it there. Yeah. Every time I walked by, I never saw like most of the time I never saw anybody in his line, and occasionally I'd see a couple, but. Yeah. It didn't seem like in past con, maybe that $50 price did drive a lot of people away that normally would have paid him. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because when I, w- when I went and got my autograph from him six years ago, he definitely had a line of people because uh, I waited in that line. So Yeah, I think I waited in that line with you. Yeah, so it was, you know, like you said, I think the $50 is driving people away. But to John's point, there must be enough people paying yeah. it because he still pays for the giant table and... <laughs> He still has a lot of uh, Shannon and John saw a lot of autographs of for probably, with his name. Probably making there. a lot more money because yeah, you know, ten guys at five or one guy at fifty. Right, right. So, um, my Friday was good. Uh, just you know, uh, kind of scoped things out. Got a few autographs that I wanted. Uh, kind of got a lay of the land of where I needed to go the next day, uh, knowing that Saturday was gonna be crazy. Got a few of the bigger, heavier things signed early on, uh, which is always a smart move on a lighter day to do that, so you don't have to carry them around on Saturday. Um, the uh, one of the th- uh, things, or a couple of signatures that I got that I had really good experiences with. Uh, one <laughs> referring, well, this happened on Saturday, but one I got signed was uh, by Denny O'Neill, and I'm bringing this up because of the Neil Adams. <laughs> talk that we were just having um i originally got my hard traveling heroes hardcover signed by neil adams like i mentioned about six years ago i've been desperately wanting to get denny o'neill to sign it also in fact when i met neil adams and had him sign it he says i'm going to leave the space here for denny o'neill to sign this if you ever have the opportunity of meeting him and uh i even had given john my book because denny o'neill was supposed to be at virginia con and that got canceled and it was just, it was, and he was supposed to come to Baltimore a couple times, and he never came to Baltimore. So this was my one chance, waited in line, and when I finally got to meet him, he was very nice, uh, but I told him about what Neil Adams said, and he, and he must have misheard me, and he goes, what, Neil wants to see me? And I was like, no, no, Neil doesn't want to see you. <laughs> it's like, he just said he <laughs> space for you. And he goes, because he looked like he was about ready to get up and go over and talk to Neil. <laughs> he didn't care there was a line there for him. <laughs> and, uh. He's like, uh, well, he says, let me tell you about Neil. <laughs> he says, I, uh, he says, I don't watch a lot of television. And he says, but the one night I was bored and, uh, I thought, well, I'll turn the TV on. And he says, I happened to flip through the channels and I seen Neil Adams is on TV being interviewed. And in that interview, he talks about how hard traveling heroes was his concept. And he was glad that he could be a part of it. Uh, help create, bring this story to life. And he goes, and that's when I realized this is why I don't watch television. <laughs> so, <laughs> and just to hear, uh, eight, he's like 80 some year old guy tell this story was just hilarious. So, um, so that was a good experience for me. Uh, and I finally got, that was my grail for this, that weekend was to get Denny O'Neill to sign that. Like I was 
to much like in past years, I, I had that one person I needed to get something signed by, and I didn't care how long I had to be there to get it done. That was, Denny O'Neill was my person this year for that, and I got that accomplished, and um, I can close the book on that chapter. Uh, and then uh, the, another really good experience I had was with Jerry Ordway. I brought uh, Action Comics 1000 uh, to be signed by him. I'm planning on getting that signed by a lot of people that worked on Superman because it's a blank sketch cover. I'm just going to have a lot of signatures on it. Um, and then I also brought Zero Hour, the hardcover, uh, and that was really cool because Zero Hour was my f- big jump into DC. I had collected a couple DC comics here and there, but when Zero Hour hit, I had heard, oh, it's a good jumping on point, and back then I was uh, a, a sucker for that phrasing. So I was like, oh, good, this will be good for me, and I jumped into Zero Hour and was completely lost. Uh, <laughs> no idea what was going on, but it was a good enough story that I wanted to learn more about what I was reading. So Zero Hour holds a special special place in my heart when it comes to my comic book collecting, and I was very happy they came out with a hardcover just recently that collected it. So I took that to Jerry Ordway to have him sign it, and he was really cool. He spent time with each and every single person, um, which made the line go slow, but at the same time, it was cool when it was your turn and you had that experience. And he actually told me, he says, he did not like what they did with Hal Jordan in that. He did not like them making him a villain. He always saw Hal Jordan uh, in the same light as a Superman, where he felt like because Hal was used willpower, that he should be incorruptible. He should not be some, not be a character that you can make a villain. Uh, he should be able to overcome that. Uh, so he really didn't like the fact that they were going in that direction, uh, but he sung high praises for what Jeff Johns did afterwards. And he says he said he loved how Jeff Johns went back and took these little nuggets out of um, the stuff that was written during uh, Zero Hour and the stuff that was written before Zero Hour during Emerald Twilight and everything. And took just these little lines that didn't really mean anything back then or, or had a different meaning back then and made it into Hal Jordan being corrupted by Parallax. And he's like, that's the the sign of a good creator is someone that can take these things that were unintentional at one point and make them mean something later. Um, so we had an awesome conversation about that and uh, about Zero Hour and everything. And um he just could not have been a nicer guy. I really loved uh, talking with him. Uh, and so he's someone I would highly recommend going and talk to if you ever have the opportunity to at a, a convention, because you'll always get a story uh, from him. Uh, I heard a lot of other things from other people that were in line uh, ahead of me uh, that he had talked with. So, uh, But that was special for me because Hal's important to me as a character and zero hours important to me so to hear his perspective on that was was really cool so um and it was really the really cool thing about it was since i've been doing reviews of i just finished doing reviews of emerald twilight uh in uh the patreon episodes uh he kind of confirmed some of the things that i was saying that i actually interpreted now it's one of those things that you look back and you, you notice those little nuggets and everything else that were kind of pulled and used later he really confirmed that you know uh what a genius move that was as far as pulling those things out, those lines, these little lines. And he actually mentioned a couple of them that I remember noticing in Emerald Twilight. So that was really cool. That was an awesome experience for me. So, um, I know Grub and, uh, and, uh, John, you guys 
I don't know. Did you guys have any experiences with creators? Travis, I think you did, but um, did you guys talk to any creators in particular that kind of stood out to you? Or uh, finally, Mark Buckingham, finally. Yes. For, for yeah. Fables. Because um, yeah. I finally remembered to bring some of those hardcover trades for Fables for him to sign. And that dude's very personable. Uh, oh, yeah. So I, just good things there. Now I just got to meet the – because he was the artist. So I got to meet the writer now. <laughs> Um, that and Katie Cook were the only ones that really uh, was open. Well, Dave Dorman unfortunately canceled like the week before, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But that's really it because I don't. With what I read is very, you know, it's Joe, it's Robotech, it's Turtles, it's it. I'm very focused on what I read, so there's not a lot of like. I think I said somebody at the weekend like I was like, hey, you know, like I know who these people are, I understand their importances. And what some of them did or or are known for, but you know, I don't they they don't mean anything to me because I didn't read any of that stuff. Yeah. So. Well, you ended up saving me uh, some time by uh, encouraging me to go get Walt Simonson's autograph. Uh, we were waiting in line for Denny O'Neill, and Walt Simonson came over and was talking to the whole crowd. And I had, again, my artist edition there with me. Oh, and, I yeah. like, and I go, oh, he's another one that I need to get an autograph from. And you were like, well, why don't you go get it from him right now? He's standing right over there. <laughs> <laughs> he's literally standing there talking. To, he, he stopped to look at something. And I'm like, now's your chance, man. Go. <laughs> <laughs> so I go over, grab a pen, and uh, uh, he asked him very politely if he'd sign it. And he said, sure. And then the guy that was there with us, uh, that we met there, uh, Brendan, yeah, who Brendan. we ran into like at least five more times the whole convention. <laughs> Please tell me you gave him one of the business cards so we can listen to this. Oh, I did. Okay, I gave good. it to him in the Denny O'Neill line. So yeah, hopefully uh, Brendan, if you listen. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, he said he was going to check it out, and he told a couple of his friends about it too. So, but uh, he was a very cool guy. But we every line we went into for getting a uh, meeting a creator, getting an autograph, he was like right behind us. <laughs> Just coincidentally. Uh, but uh, he came up behind me and he was like, uh, Mr. Simonson, it would be okay if I get an autograph as well. And that's when Walt was like, sure. But he goes, this is why I don't stop. <laughs> I'm on the convention floor. But his line was ridiculously long, too. So that I was glad I didn't have to wait in that to just to get his autograph. So I noticed uh, anyway. Simonson, his lines would be uh, like he... he it would be an hour before opening and he would already have 30 people standing in line. Yeah. It was crazy with him. Yeah. Well, and I know especially with him, and I don't know if he was doing it at Baltimore this year, but I know if you're one of the first few people in his line, he'll do a, a free sketch for you right then and there. And they're quick and everything, but they're really cool. And uh, I know I've gotten a couple of them from him when he did uh, Super Show a few years uh, or several years back. Um, so I have like a Beta Ray Bill and a Brawl from uh, – World of Warcraft, so, um, but, uh, yeah, so I don't know if that's why people get in line early for him or, or what, but, it, yeah, he had a huge line. Um, Travis, any any uh, interactions with creators to note, or? Um, I got to meet Clayton Crane, talk to him a little bit um, about, uh, some of his upcoming covers and some of the past Spider-Man covers that he did. Um, and then I think my best conversation, there's this upcoming artist. Uh, he does a European book called Bino. I think his name's Shannon Gallant. We talked, 
we talked about Bino and, and his new work overseas and, and how that's going. So nice. Uh, other than that, that's really it. Yeah. Uh, Shannon and Brian in true fashion, when they signed my uh, G.I. Joe or American Hero, uh, Shannon made a, a little comment about Brian's cover on it. And then Brian made a little re- response to it. And Brian made a, Brian's comment was about uh, tires. <laughs> <coughs> and uh, Brian starts to tell me, he's like, do you know about the tires? I was like, I was like, Brian, I don't think you know about the tires and how much I poke at Shannon about the tires. <laughs> so, um, so that was hilarious. I ended up showing that to Shannon later. But, uh, yeah, it was. So I, I have yet another cover that I will look back on in years ahead and fondly and remember the fun of them dueling it out on, on the cover of their with their autographs and uh, little notes. So. Uh, John, anyone of note that you remember talking to, whether it be Artist Alley or I don't know if you met any particular creators or anything like that? I had my obligatory uh, wave and hello to Mr. Tom King, whose line was crazy all weekend. Yeah, that's a big shock anymore. But uh, no, um, saw saw everybody we know and visited. What What about random women? Oh, that was Sunday. I thought we were doing it in day oh, order. Sorry. <laughs> you can throw that out there. Go ahead. Yeah, time. I'm famous for nothing. Uh, Sunday, we're getting ready to leave. We're kind of, you know, walking the floor one more time before we head out and drop my book off with somebody to take it home. And all of a sudden, I run into Jermaine Exum, Lord Retail of Acme Comics down in Greensboro, North Carolina. Super good dude, and have known him for several years now, and hadn't seen him in a while. So we were standing there talking, and mm-hmm. you know, what's up, and how's the show going for you, and this, that, and the other. And this lady just comes running up, and she says, "You're famous. I know you're you're famous." And somebody said, "I need to stop and talk to you." And I'm like, "What?" She said, "You're famous. You're a writer, aren't you?" And I said, "No, I'm not." And she said, "No, no. Somebody saw you yesterday walking the walking Artist Alley, and." We, they said I got to talk to you, and of course Jermaine is like, "What in the?" He's looking at me like, "What the hell?" Grub and Keith and whoever there, they're kind of laughing at this point because <laughs> like, what I thought I had my first HR social art podcast fan sure. that I met at a comic book show that that was really going to freak me out. <laughs> but she thought I was a writer, and we talked for a few minutes, and I explained to her that no, I'm just some schmuck that goes to comic book shows because I'm a fan, and, right? And, have friends and you know in the business and hang out, but uh, I'm not a writer. I don't do anything in the industry. And we talked, and she's a storyboard artist, an art teacher, and she had some of her students with her and in her uh, booth. And she said, "Well, I am really glad I stopped you to talk to you because you are very, very nice." And I said, "Well, I appreciate that." And I said, "This is going to sound weird, but can I get a picture?" And she's like, "Sure." So <laughs> I took a picture with her and I posted it because, yeah, I'm apparently somebody I think. I think I'm supposed to be a guy named Ian Gonzalez, but I can't find a decent picture of the guy to figure out if that's who it is or not. Because another person, I'm walking through Artist Alley, Grub, I'm, I was on if I was with you or Andre, I was with somebody. And all of a sudden I hear, Ian, Ian, Ian. And I'm just walking. And the dude kind of runs up and he keeps like right in my ear at this point, And I turn around and 
oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were Ian. And I'm like, no, man, not even close. And <laughs> just super weird. But uh, Grub, tell him, was it you? It was me. Yeah, That's the Tom tell, King story. Tell him the Tom through. King part of it. That was the best so, part. <laughs> for those who don't know John and myself that well, we we go back a while with Tom King, back to, you know, six, seven years before Tom King was Tom King. Right. Um, so I'm walk I'm I'm walking by Tom King's booth because I wanted a hot dog, so I, I had to walk past him in order to get to the where the food court was. So I'm walking by and I'm and some guys are getting him to sign something, take a photo, and they're and he, Tom goes, Hey Eric, you know, take, can you take the photo real quick? And I went, sure, no problem. So take the photo, hand the thing over, and I and he leans out over the table because he wa- he wants to give me a hug real quick. So I lean in and I said, "Hey, John just got mistaken for some famous guy." And Tom goes, "Hey, if you're if somebody asks you if you're God, you say yes." <laughs> That's fantastic, <laughs> absolutely. So I think I found an Ian Gonzalez, but the page is all in Spanish, so I'm not 100 percent sure. But I, I can see how I this might this might look like you. Well. Uh, I, I'm going to use it for the episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sarjo's interviews, Ian Gonzalez. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was. I need to. I need to tweet him or something and just uh, acknowledge. But it was. It was. It was. That's probably the oddest interaction I've had at a show ever in a while. Anyway, uh, I just sent you the picture, John, so you can take a look at it. Uh, all right. So, but uh, yeah, uh, that's pretty hilarious. Uh, um. <laughs> Not totally like you, but it, I could I can see. Oh wow! Huh? Someone, yeah. I could see someone mistaking you for him. Maybe ten totally, years ago. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a younger, younger. Several year, several yeah. pounds ago, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, and you look like a Gonzalez, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of Tom King, I I definitely have to tell my interaction with him uh, because much like you guys, I got to meet him when he was still. Uh, selling his uh, Once Crowded Sky book, which is very good. Um, and I do enjoy his his Batman and a lot of the other stuff that he's done. And he... Uh, so, I went up to him and just... He was finishing his signings and the one lady says, oh, I, uh, you know, he's not doing any more signings right now. I says, oh, I'm, I'm actually a friend. I just wanted to say hi. Um, so I go up to him and I was like, how you doing, Tom? And he's just like, he's looking at me very puzzled. And he's like, uh, he's like, have we met before? And I says, he goes, oh, wait, yeah, you're the Star Joes guy. And I'm thinking in my head, yeah, I'm wearing the shirt that says Star Joes. Of course, I'm the Star Joes guy. And I said, I was like, Tom, you never remember who the hell I am. <laughs> I was like, I'm friends with Daryl and Chris. And, and he goes, he goes, yeah, where are those guys right now? So... Later on, he sees me again because I reached out to Daryl to get a couple things signed for our buddy Nick. And I said, hey, can, if I give you a couple books, can you get time to sign them for me there for Nick? And he's like, yeah. He says, we're actually heading over uh, to a couple creators booths because uh, Tom wants to get some like original art and stuff. So I was like, okay, cool. So I met, met him there, talked with Daryl for a little bit, uh, gave Tom the books. And he says, well, I know you now. And I, I said, sure you do. You're going to forget me again next year. Don't worry. Uh, but uh, he says, "Are these? Am I signing these for you?" And I says, "No, this is for Nick. He couldn't be here this year." And he goes, "Oh well, fuck Nick." <laughs> I was like, "Oh okay, I'll be sure to tell him you said that." <laughs> so, <laughs> he says, "You tell him if he can't be here to see me, then he ain't worth anything." <laughs> so, <laughs> um, 
So that was my experience with Tom King this year. <laughs> so um, I plan to be uh, murdered in one of his future books, so. <laughs> which is what he does to all of his all of his friends that know him. So, um, so uh, yeah. So oh, I wanted to mention uh, the Dean Katz piece that I got done. Uh, so I started my video game sketchbook this year. Uh, because I did, I've been following a lot of different artists and I see like them doing like same as Aaron and Mega Man and stuff like that. Like, and it seems like a lot of creative, a lot of artists are getting into drawing a lot of the video game characters. And I'm like, well, I grew up loving tons of video games. So I wrote a list of 50 characters, uh, that I would want drawn and true to form. Thanks to the help of, uh, Grub and John and everything over the years of, saying, hey, make sure you have references. I have a reference for every single one of them, and I will tell you, hands down, that is the best advice ever if you're getting sketches because you will impress the the writers out there uh, or the artists out there. They will... I got so many compliments and so many comments about, wow, you came prepared. Uh, like, I love this guy and stuff like that. So, uh, Dean... I always let the artists pick who they're going to draw from the list. And Dean decided to pick Pitfall Harry, uh, which I actually thought would be one of the toughest ones to draw because I didn't want someone to just draw Indiana Jones, which would be very easy to just do that. Well, Dean did not do that at all. Dean drew Pitfall Harry. If you were to see this drawing, you would know it's Pitfall Harry. He has him swinging across a river, alligators, uh, leaping up at him, another alligator in the water. He's, uh, he's got all this, you know, canteen and everything else hanging from him. And he's looks terrified as he's swinging over the, the river. It was a beautiful piece. And John, it actually made me jealous that I didn't get that in color. Cause I can only imagine what that would have looked like in watercolor. Um, I think it would have absolutely looked beautiful. So, uh, not it actually reminded me, sorry for interrupting. No, go ahead. Um, it could have passed as one of the, uh, like Atari 2600 box art that they made the, oh, yeah. the hardcover for. Like it was very, like very detailed. It, I mean, it, it was very great. That was, that was my first thought when I thought I was like, man, yeah. that looks like one of those Atari box arts that, you know, yeah. IDW made the collection of. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, John, did you get any other sketches that weekend? Um, I no did. One. I know I one did. that was gift. I know one that was gifted to you that I'm sure you want to talk about, but I didn't well, know if you had any. Yeah. I didn't know if you had any others that you that you got yourself that you. I I, I did, as a matter of fact. Okay. So let's see. Um, I I took Andre's cue, and, and I can't believe I've never done this before, but took my book over to Franco, and I've known Franco for a while. You know, I, I met him. Gosh, it's been like almost ten years ago now, and. I, I love Art and Franco. I love all yeah. I love everything they're doing, and uh, I love the podcast. And I just I, I've never gotten a GI Joe piece from him yet. I know he has got a couple things floating around that have never been published. And anyway, so Andre got a really cool piece from him. I was like, hey man, uh, why haven't we ever done this before? And he's like, I don't know. So he did a <laughs> a really cool bat for me, like super cartoony. Yeah, which is fun. Uh, Brian Shearer uh, owed me uh, a commission from his Kickstarter, 
So I got my Baroness, which I'm very happy with. Uh, She's gorgeous without being uh, over the top uh, sexualized. Sexualized, yeah. And I also got uh, the sketchbook, and he drew an epic piece for Jacob in it uh, several years ago at a Virginia con on just a backing board or a piece of cardboard. He drew Jacob's girlfriend. At the time, nice. uh, well, you know, a bearded lady <laughs> with a with a cigarillo and the whole nine yards, and so he has that picture like on his wall. It's it's one of his favorite pieces of art because it it's just very personal and it's hilarious sure. that you know because they'd sat there and would talk about girls and he drew this picture. So I I said, hey, look, uh, n- new girlfriend in the sketchbook, and he just destroyed. He absolutely destroyed it. Um, and I left my book with. Stephen Burks, who is a Richmond guy, and he's got it now, and he's going to do something that I'm really looking forward to seeing, and uh, we'll meet up and grab dinner, and I'll get my book back. So, yeah, and then, like, the surprise of Sunday, other than being recognized for not being anything but famous, (laughs) I'm sitting there with Shannon, we're talking, and Travis walks up, and Travis says, I got you something, and he hands me one of the most epic sketches I've ever gotten. It's <laughs> Captain Kentucky by his creator, Don Rosa. When I was a kid, it, Don, uh, Captain Kentucky was a strip in the Louisville Courier Journal. It was a, a you know, his a, just a, a comic strip that he did. And I, when I met him back in the late 80s, I had a trade that he signed of that book. And we got to talking about it. Travis and I were talking about Captain Kentucky and his Uncle Scrooge work and everything. And so apparently, uh, I don't know, Travis, you want to tell the story, but you went over to him and asked about doing Captain Kentucky, and <laughs> boy, <laughs> it, it was great. I did. So John and I talked at nauseum about art and life and stories, and we, you know, and he's told me this story a couple times. He's like, man, I wonder if Don Rose would ever do a Captain Kentucky commission. And it's one of those things that he said a couple times, and it's all. And I be willing to bet it's one of those things like he's always wanted to get done, but it's never really been a high priority on the list. It'd just be one of those like, oh hey, I just thought of it, let me do it. Yeah. Well, I I didn't have anything to do Friday. I got everything done on Saturday, and uh, got in, and I was like, man. Uh, John gave me a dollar the night before because I signed a yearbook on the crack, so. Um, I used John's dollar to buy a uh, magazine or a treasury back in board. Um, and I went over to Don Rosa and he, he had, I think two, three people ahead of me. Not, not too bad for Don Rosa, but they were all, um, like one was from Switzerland and one was from Europe. Like, uh, Don Rosa gets like, Switzerland people is to in travel Europe. to see him. Yeah. Uh, he's, extremely famous overseas. So they're talking about Scrooge and Karl Barks and, and all of this. And I get up there and I say, well, I've got an odd request. He said, okay. He said, I know you draw ducks all the time, but I've got a really good friend who loves Captain Kentucky. And, I, and then I went in and told, uh, Don John's stories about Captain Kentucky, and he looked at me and he goes, 
nobody's ever asked me to draw Captain Kentucky. <laughs> he said, you want a human instead of a duck. I said, that's kind of boring, but if that's what you want. And it took him about 20 minutes. And, and during that time, like you can just see all of these eyes from the Switzerland guys and the, the European guys, are they're just looking at me dumbfounded. Like I'm sitting in front of like their equivalent of Stan Lee and asking him to draw Captain Kentucky instead of Scrooge or Donald. <laughs> and when, when he got done, uh, he, you know, we had, we had talked about, he's got a documentary or a documentary coming out next month. Um, we talked about Jim Cornette, uh, the wrestling manager, because they're both from Louisville and, Don knew of Jim Cornette, but didn't know he was a wrestling manager. So he was amazed that little Jimmy Cornette, whose dad passed away and whose mom bought him all these expensive comics as a kid, was a world-renowned wrestling manager. Like, he just, it, he didn't quite understand. So when we got done, a couple of the guys that traveled overseas to Baltimore to see him then got more Captain Kentucky commissions. So John is now put Captain Kentucky in, I know at least Switzerland and Europe because Wait, they, they now insane. have a, a unique Don Rosa piece that isn't Scrooge McDuck. To, to Eric's point, Switzerland is Europe, so, in Europe. So just to let you know, those aren't two separate countries. One's a continent and one's a country. <laughs> details, details. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a geek. I have to point out these things. It's okay. It's all right. Rub, At least I remember started Switzerland. It, it's, it's, it's the right. nerd on nerd. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, I was just saying Europe is in, in general. A Europe, but I remember Switzerland yeah. specifically. Gotcha. I will definitely say when it came to John getting that piece from you, Travis... I have never seen his eyes light up and a reaction from John like that ever. Uh, just, it was it was so awesome and so amazing just to see him light up like that and, and like be that excited over that. So, because um, I think he hugged you within like two seconds of getting it. <laughs> he did. He you could tell he looked at. I said, John, I got something for you, and I flipped it around and I he looked at it and then you could tell he was looking at it like trying to process what it was <laughs> what am I looking at and then when he knew what it was like it's just like the light went off, and it was it was it was awesome I was I was glad to yeah to help and you that know fantastic one of those things that I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it and it just yeah it's like the honeydew list it's one of those things that's always on the list to do but never really a priority so yeah i I figure let's get it done let's get a captain kentucky absolutely uh grub what uh what commissions did you get done like what saturday well i had sean forney did a biker scout for me which i'm pretty pleased with i actually ended up getting two from dean uh the first one was uh some snowtroopers from Empire Strikes Back. Yep, yep. And he did three of them on the page, and there's no bodies in that in that, in that <laughs> artwork, there, John. Um, those are those are reserved just for John's commissions. <laughs> it, which a friend of mine is the detachment leader for Blizzard Force on the 501st, which is the uh, the snowtrooper detach, you know, the custom detachment, and 
he sent me a message when he saw this, like, how, how do I get that? I'm like, well, you have to pry it from my cold, dead fingers. However, <laughs> if you want, I can get Dean's contact information for you. Um, but so Dean did that one, and he did a, a Robotech piece for me of, you know, because we were, I kind of mentioned it to him. Yeah, and we had like a thirty-minute-long conversation about Robotech, which he knows a surprising amount of it. But he's like, "Yeah, I'm just not real good with mechs." Um, so I'm like, "Okay, well, you know, I'll print out some stuff and I'll bring it in tomorrow with just some of the characters." And he did basically two Zentradi warriors, just like you know, walking through a walking through a hellscape. That came out really nice. Um, and another friend of our of John and mine, Dan Govar. Which I didn't realize he's was going to be in town for this show, um, so I sent him a message like a couple days before. I'm like, dude, I didn't know you were going to be here. So he ended up doing another Star Wars piece for me, where um, basically he did the Hoth um, trench fight yeah. with the Adats, and like I thought he was just you know he was just talking about he was just going to do the the trench and blah blah on the one page and he's like well if i may on the other page just kind of put some ad ads in the in the far in the four you know off in the distance i'm like sure man knock yourself out um but he went like full-on two full pages yeah <laughs> so um yeah i was really pleased with that and uh, uh bun leong did a robotech piece for me and i think that's it i didn't really do a lot this year yeah um just because of the, I hadn't really planned on it. Like, you know, what John was saying when you guys were doing the, like the, the pre con episode about bathe and hydrate and all that kind of stuff. Right. He was talking about, he didn't really do any real planning this year. And same thing. I basically did nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I also noticed this year, just this seemed to be like there was a turnover in artists, not like the the main creator types and all that, but I mean the artist alley. Yeah. Maybe I've just been at this long enough now that um, you know some people are just they've moved on to other things or they're just not doing anymore, and the new bloods come in. But there was a lot of names and artists that I didn't recognize at all. I wonder too if if because New York Comic Con was the next week, if like it opened up more tables for artists that normally haven't done Baltimore because the ones that usually do Baltimore were getting ready for New York Comic Con the next week. Maybe. Um, I don't know. Because um, New York is a whole other entity right. on its own, which the one time I did that, man, I don't... <laughs> hour, it took me an hour and a half to find Artist Alley the one time I was there. Wow. Because it's in a separate section of the, the, the Javits Center, which I know they've right. done a lot of constructions different now. But, yeah. Um, yeah, that was Saturday. It was pretty much that, and then we did our, you know, typical Hooters lunch. Yep. Which no, I didn't know they'd moved it. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> uh, they had a big, big like writing on the glass there that said, "Hey, we moved, and we're down there, <laughs> downstairs." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's also unfortunate they took the the pedestrian skywalk out. Uh, yeah. But that's because they were having a lot of problems with homeless people like bathing in it, and oh, just okay. Baltimore's got a lot of problems right now. <laughs> yeah, Baltimore's got a lot of issues with homeless in general there. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, Travis, did you get any sketches? I can't remember if what you had or not. I so. I got one sketch from Shannon. He did the um, new 
uh, Spider-Man based off of the PlayStation 4 game. Uh, I've been playing that and have oh, yeah, liked I it a lot. That. Okay, yeah. Um, but my two big art pickups uh, were pages this year. I've okay. never really been a page guy. Oh, I also got a Leo Pardon Japanese Spider-Man from Shannon that we had talked about. I'm looking at everything right now. Nice. Um, I uh, picked up two pages. Uh, my first page was from Shannon from the uh, $6 million man versus GI Joe issue one. Uh, it's where uh, Steve Austin is beating up general Hawk. Uh, nice. And he is giving the reverse death Valley driver to, <laughs> uh, to general Hawk. I've got that page. Um, Shannon and I, uh, John knows and Ryan knows a little bit, but Shannon and I have like, obsession that we talk about anything Japanese, whether it be Sentai, Kamen Rider, or wrestling in my behalf, and the reverse Death Valley Driver was known as the Burning Hammer, one of the most deadly moves in Japan, so it just seemed to work out that that would uh, be the page I'd get from Shannon, and then um, I'm a big fan of the Ultraverse, and uh, it's a very niche fandom very similar to you know what valiant was before valiant came back it's a dead comic universe and my favorite uh character was prime which is a superman slash shazam i want to say ripoff yeah (laughs) like prime is a boy but when he's uh when he's covered in the ooze he'll turn into like the what he thinks a comic book character is, which is this big roided up guy that flies. And so it, it's got Superman stuff and it's got Shazam stuff. Um, Prime was created by Norm Brayfogle. Mm-hmm. So uh, prior to the show, I thought, well, I'm going to I'm going to try to find a Prime page um, because, you know, he's my favorite character and. You know, a, a page isn't going to be all that expensive because it's Ultraverse. It's not like it's people are actively seeking Ultraverse pages. And uh, although with it being Norm Brayfogle and him just passing away, I I was impressed that you were able to even find that. Um, exactly, because so. I think it was what Monday or Tuesday prior to the convention, Norm yeah. Brayfogle had passed away. Yeah. So I thought, you know, I, I was sad, and then I thought, well, you know, that would be my luck like and i'm not trying to speak ill will of the dead sure. or you know but it was that just like well cause prices to go up quite a bit so exactly so i thought well all right let me go look and when i went to the art dealer uh, he had a whole section he had already pulled all of bray fogel's uh portfolios that he'd had and put them in their own box uh, i think it's anthony's art collectibles cheap plug but there was already a section of norm bray fogel art and like right up front was his Ultraverse Prime book, and I just went, well, of course, like everything in here is going to double now because, right. you know, that's just how the comic market is. You know, make a buck where you can. And to my surprise, he hadn't marked up any of his stuff. And, you know, he came over and started talking to me, and I, I told him, I said, hey, I came to get a Brave Fogel Prime piece, and, uh, we he I saw the price on a page and then he quoted me about ten to fifteen less and said if I had cash I said yeah and 
I gave it to him. So I ended up getting uh, a prime page as well. So those were my two, two big pickups were, were my pages. Nice. Um, for me, I, I did not look at any pages or anything like that. I was tempted to it a, a few times, but uh, I knew going into that weekend that wasn't my mission at all. Uh, even though it was last year, it wasn't something I was uh, interested in looking for this year. Uh, so I was very focused on uh, getting uh, some commissions done, getting some autographs, and then actually doing some bin diving, which I did do some bin diving, but the thing that bin diving taught me this it, uh, this year actually getting that done was even though I found some issues I needed and found them at a good price, um, I don't like bin diving really anymore. <laughs> I I found that, you know what, I'd rather just find the, the issues that I need because I don't need a whole lot of issues to complete what I want to complete. Um, I just don't really enjoy going into those bins and looking for stuff anymore. So, uh, but from a commission standpoint, I had uh, Brian Shear. I gave him the option. We had talked once before that he could do another Centurion for me in my 80s book. Uh, but I told him, I said, uh, I'm going to give you the option. You can either do another Centurion or you can kick off my video games book and you can pick any character you want. Well, he, of course, wanted to uh, do the video game. And he kicked it off with uh, Earthworm Jim. So uh, that came out amazing. Uh, it was absolutely beautiful uh, and really set the bar for anyone afterwards that uh, would be drawing in it, which is what you want in your sketchbook. You want to have artwork in there that makes everyone else uh, step up. So uh, so I got the piece from Brian and then... Uh, then I took it to Dean, and he did the Pitfall, uh, Harry. And then I took it to this one other artist who I'd gotten pieces from previous year, uh, which was Neil King, who he drew Zelda in there. He, did, he does watercolors and everything else. And he's done a, a Hothlea for me before, and he did a um, uh, Dirk the Daring from Dragon's Lair before, which was in my 80s sketchbook, but very well could have been in my video game sketchbook too. Um but he did uh, Zelda, which came out awesome. And uh, he actually took my entire uh, folder with all my references and everything and took it with him home that night. And he wasn't going to tell me which character he picked. And I told him, hey, I trust you because you've done good work for me before. But he's an art teacher. Uh, he, he teaches uh, in the Baltimore area. And he only does, I think he said he only does Baltimore Con and Awesome Con. And that's it. And he only he said his prices are not going to go up. He only charges $10 for black and white and $20 for a color piece. And he says, I don't plan on increasing my prices because he's like, I just do this because I like doing it. And uh, so, and he does good work, especially for that price. Uh, also found uh, a new artist this year whose prices were very reasonable. Uh, actually, Michael, my uh, friend Michael from work found this guy. And trying to look up his name right now. It's Eric Matos, M-A-T-O-S. Uh, and he did a piece for me uh, at, that is going to be a gift for my wife, uh, which I am not going to reveal what that is right now, just in case she happens to listen to this before her birthday. Uh, she usually does not listen to the episodes, but I can't run that risk right now because um, I don't want to spoil it for her. But in the next Baltimore episode, I will reveal what I had done for her. 
but he also did a piece for me of Hoth Leia. Uh, with my Star Wars book, I just have a list of characters. I don't cross them off as people do them, because if someone really wants to draw a certain Star Wars character, I want to let them go ahead and do that. Uh, he said he'd like to do uh, Leia. He says, what's your favorite version of Leia? And I said, the Hoth Leia. And uh, he did an absolutely incredible piece uh, of her uh probably one of my favorite pieces that I have in that book right now. So, and I have some very nice pieces in that book. Um, and, uh, so that he was a cool one to find. And he said he was going to try to come back next year also. And I definitely want to get more stuff from him. Um, then, uh, I got a, let's see, I think that was all I got, uh, in my sketchbooks. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else to note. Um, I think that was pretty much it when it came to that stuff. Oh, I do have Shannon working on a piece for me. Uh, last year, he was uh, I gave him a Skyward uh, blank cover, and I asked him to draw uh, Link and Quinn fighting back-to-back with Jack in the middle uh, against some enemies. And uh, he blew me away with what he did. He, did uh, he had just exactly what I described on the front cover, and on the back cover, he had some slog riders uh, with some other villains from Skyward heading towards our heroes. And so th- I knew I was going to be getting a blank sketch cover of Skyward in the Kickstarter, but mine had not ar- arrived yet. My buddy Michael from work already received his, and he had the blank sketch cover. And he's like, you know what? You already know what you want to have done. Uh, I'll just give you mine, and then when you get yours, you can give it to me. He says, I don't have any immediate plans for it. So... What I handed to Shannon is he is going to, um, I asked him to do Zelda uh, from the 80s cartoon, uh, where she's wearing the vest and a little bit more action-oriented, with a bow and arrow, and Abigail with a bow and arrow from Skyward, them both fighting back-to-back, but putting them on the back cover, and then putting Ganon from Zelda on the front cover as the villain, and then this way I can lay both blank covers next to each other, get them framed, and it'll be a nice panoramic shot of our heroes versus the villains surrounding them. So uh, he's gonna, he took that home with him, and he said he's going to email me once he starts working on it to make sure he's going in the right direction. Um, and I, I have no doubt I will be thoroughly impressed with what he comes up with uh, based on what he did before for me. Um, so I'll have an update on that when that does happen. Um, that is everything when it comes to Baltimore for me. I know we're going to have Brian on in a future episode. I'm hoping Shannon will be able to join us. We'll probably have some other listeners on um, because I know uh, Brian and Shannon have some unusual stories to share, and I don't want to spoil what they ran into at Baltimore <laughs> uh, this year, but it, it adds to the the curse of Baltimore, I guess you could say. Um do you guys have anything else you wanted to mention about Baltimore? Surprised at how late it is next year. Yeah. It's not going to be until, the, what, the third week of October, which is a little surprising. It'll be a little little change of pace. October 18 through 20. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that, yeah, that's going to be tricky because my wife's birthday is right at the middle of October. And that's usually would be the weekend we celebrate her birthday would be usually the weekend right after her birthday. I guess we'll just plan to celebrate the weekend before her birthday. So, um, cause I definitely don't want to miss it. So, 
Um, all right, so are you guys ready to hear the what if questions? We won't do a lot of them, but we'll do a few of them. Sure. <laughs> so you just basically answer yes or no. So we, if you would accept this or not accept it, if you want to talk about it, we can. Um, and then I'll also tell you what the results are uh, from people that have answered this question. So what if you, and what we'll do is we'll do John will answer, Eric will answer, and then Travis will answer because that's the way everyone, we all joined the call. So, <laughs> so, so what if you are twice as attractive, but every Friday you are transformed into an equally attractive person of the opposite gender? Mm. Would, you, would you do that or would you not do that? I miss the Star Wars questions. <laughs> I have a couple of those. Don't worry. <laughs> it's a very vain question. It is. I mean, i got to wait for John to answer. I don't know. I, <laughs> look, I'm a middle-aged, fat, white guy. I, I don't think about beauty anymore. I mean, so my say, Lord. I, so you'd say no. <laughs> I'd say no. Yeah, I'm going to just stick. I'm going to be proud of who I am. Oh, before we get into. I was born your, this way. <laughs> like Lady Gaga into, would say. Before we get into your. Gaga. The other answer is that does bring up another thing from Baltimore this year that I thought was hilarious, and this was not something that I brought up. People started talking about this. We figured out the dynamic of the group, uh, for the most part, when it comes to a family. Um, so people were saying that, John, you and Travis are the two grandpas because you're the crotchety old men that don't give a damn and talk about better days in the past. <laughs> That's uh, true. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I, was, I did not hear this conversation. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'm the dad. Because I, I'm the one to make sure we get there. Everything's planned out, and and you know that's I'm the res responsible party. I guess is how it was told to me. Um, let's see. Uh, Chuck is the oldest child because sometimes he'll come and sometimes he won't come. It kind of depends on what he has going on in his life. <laughs> uh, Nick is the middle child. Because he's the one that doesn't mind poking the bear at everybody. Uh, Sam, everybody. Sam is the youngest child because he's the one that really doesn't, he, he's new to everything. We have to kind of, you know, we introduce him to stuff and then he just goes crazy with it, whatever it is. Because last year at Baltimore Con, he didn't care too much about getting autographs. And then this year, that's all he wanted to do was get autographs. <laughs> he waited in so many lines and just got autograph after autograph. Um and uh, Grub, I believe you were a cousin, uh, who a distant cousin who we only get to see every once in a while. Um, You're Cletus then, the slack child, yo. Yeah. No, I don't want to be there. Can I? What were the other Duke uh, boys? The ones that came in later? Boy <laughs> yes, there we go. Then uh, who was then uh, the only the, other two? The Brady Bunch cousin. Oh, Oliver. 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 <laughs> Um, Rock is the dirty uncle. That's uh, fitting. Yeah. yeah, very fitting. Uh, and then Shannon and, and Brian are the oh uncles. Sh Sh uh, Brian is the fun uncle that you only see every once in a while, but when he does come into town, you have a good time. Shannon is the uncle that t whispers stuff in your ear that will get you in trouble. Like, hey, go tell your mom this, and then you get in trouble if you do it. So <laughs> um, I think that's all we figured out when it comes to the family hierarchy so far. I'm sure there's more that we can fit into all that, but that's that's what was decided on when it came to the uh, family distribution. So, um, 
So I found that very amusing. And uh, all right, Eric, your your response to you could be twice as attractive, but every Friday you transform into an equally attractive person of the opposite gender. I'm just gonna say yes because fuck it, I gotta go to work on Friday, and then I'm not gonna then I'll just stay in the house all Friday night. <laughs> there you go. Well, you've already got the long hair to cut. Yeah, I already got the, I already got the <laughs> <different> hair. <laughs> <laughs> All that's changing is the facial hair with you, Grubbs. So like. yeah, pretty much. Well, that and leg hair and <laughs> right. some and other things. things. Right. <laughs> How about you, Travis? Uh, I'm going to say no. I, no. I, I don't. I, I Nope. Okay. I'm going to say no, much like, for me, much like John, uh, I don't really... I'm not too worried about what I look like right now. So, <laughs> um, so 31% of the people that answered this question said no, and 69% of them said yes. Ooh, they have a good number there. Yeah. <laughs> Fitting. <laughs> All right, we'll do just we'll do a couple more of these, and then we'll end with a couple Star Wars trivia questions. Uh, what if you can never fail, but you can also never give up? Isn't that what the captain said on uh, Never Galaxy give up, Quest? never surrender. <laughs> right. <laughs> never give up, never surrender. Uh, sure. Okay. <clears throat> How about Grub? Yeah, sure. Okay, Travis? Yeah, because, I mean, if I'm never going to fail, it, it may take me 10 years, but I know I'm going to get it after. Yeah. The, yes. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, if I, if I never fail, then I don't really have to work too long because I'm never going to fail, so... <laughs> Uh, 80% of the people said yes and 20% said no. Uh, we'll do one more here. What if you could live forever, but you may never talk to someone ever again? Does that mean anybody or a specific person? I guess it's, it just says you may never talk to someone again. I'm going to take that as the plural, as in you can't talk yeah. to anybody else ever. Yeah. If I couldn't talk to anybody, no, that's, that, that it wouldn't work. Okay. If it's someone, if I got to pick the person, sure, why not? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, how about you, Grub? To quote Freddie Mercury, who wants to live forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Travis? I'm going to go with what John said. There's a, there's a couple caveats to this one. Or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so, yes and no? <laughs> I understand. Uh, I'm with I'm with Grub on this. I don't really want to live forever. I think that could be a sad existence. So uh, I think it could uh, be great for a, a couple of hundred years. Yeah, but I would think it would get to a point where you're just like, just please kill me. <laughs> well, may, maybe you have to cut off the other, other people's heads. I mean, there can only be one. <laughs> you're the Highlander, yes. Uh, so <laughs> sorry, spider. Eighty-one percent of the people said no, and nineteen percent said yes. So. So that's the what if game. It is an app that's out there. Uh, like I said, my wife and I were playing it on a car ride. She would read, read me the questions, and then we, we would answer. And then uh, it, it made for some interesting discussions, as as you could tell even from tonight. <laughs> a couple interesting topics there. All right, couple uh, Star Wars trivia here, uh, and I will not give the multiple choice unless it seems like it is needed. Uh, and you guys can discuss as a group on what the answer is. So, where did Obi Wan Kenobi tell Luke Skywalker to go to? The Dagobah system. Yeah. <laughs> there you will meet Yoda. The Jedi Master instructed me. That would be correct. 
They didn't have all of that on the card, but yeah. I know. I was going a little extreme. <laughs> Um, who was suffering from delusions of grandeur, according to C-3PO? Delusions of grandeur. So, oh, it's, R2, it's, R, it's R2. Oh, that's right, because of the... When he's... Yep, it is R2. Yes. A special bonus it, question. He's talking about it on... Uh, it's, uh, it's on Bespin, when yep. they're escaping. Yeah. Yep. Special bonus question, since we did three of the what-ifs, we'll do three of the uh, Star Wars here. How did Han Solo discover that they weren't in a cave? Uh, oh, the Minox. Well, what that's part of it. Then he, he, the, the ground was moist and foggy. And and shot. It's like, wait a minute, and then he shot the ground, and then that's when the yep he the shot slug the, got all pissy. He shot the ground while fighting off some Minox. Very good. All right. Uh, well, Travis, how can people find you? We'll work backwards now. Um... I'm on Twitter and Facebook, T Fowler81, Travis Fowler. Uh, that's that's it. Okay. Uh, LinkedIn, uh, if you want to buy legal research, <laughs> find me on LinkedIn if you're an attorney in northern New York. <laughs> Grub, how can they find you? You can't. No, uh, Facebook, that's about it. <laughs> and uh, John, how can they find you and your other show? HRSocialRPodcast.podbean.com. Everything is there. <laughs> Very good. I was, I was, I got an email from a podcast consultant that said it takes too long to give everything out. So yeah. now I just say go to that one place and everything is there. <laughs> and I didn't even have to pay him for it. It was free advice. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Canadian podcast consultant. Uh, I don't enough. remember your name. Well, uh, I do have a couple sponsors to show, shout out there. Uh, we have uh, Just Roll With It, uh, which is done by Jonathan Morgantini. It's a D&D podcast that takes place in Middle Earth. And then we have the Dudes in Toyland uh, podcast, which is uh, toy, uh, Will Bell does that, and it's toy collecting and customizing. Uh, so definitely check those out. Uh, both shows are good. I have checked out. Not, I, I get behind on episodes, but I check out an episode here and there just to kind of keep up with what's going, what they're talking about and stuff. Um, and when it comes to us, I will uh, keep it short and sweet to take John's advice that he got from somebody else, uh, which is uh, you go to starjoes.com and pretty much everything's there. Email address is there. Phone number is there. Uh, please send us an email. Please leave us a voicemail. We haven't had either in quite some time. You can ask us anything, and uh, it gives us material to talk about in the show. We used to get emails and voicemails all the time, and they made for some great material for us to talk about. So if you have anything at all related to the show or not related to the show, send us an email, send us a voicemail, uh, and we'd be happy to address those things. Uh, with that, we'll go ahead and close the episode by saying the Force will be with you. Because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone.